to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Executive Pastor Kendall Laughlin. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. Hey, hey, good morning. So glad you're here. I'm Kendall, work at the church here as our executive pastor. My wife, Shelly, one of our children's in the front row, and the rest are across the way. And Pastor Robert is speaking at World Mandate Waco this weekend. And so we're praying for him and excited about what God's going to do there. And I'm excited to share here this morning. Hey, I never get to do this. And it's so rarely a staff person's birthday on a Sunday. In the back, it is Daryl Short's birthday. Just give it up for her really quick. All right. We love her and James. And James actually leads our prayer on Sunday. And Des leads the booth back there. So anyway, we're very grateful for them. Ready to hop into our series, Building a Healthy Life. You guys excited? Want to start with, with one word, and it's a word you might not be familiar with, or, or maybe you are, but it's, it's a little bit unusual. We don't use it much in modern times, and it's the word anointing. Look at your neighbor and say, anointing. Might not be a super familiar word to you, but, but King David, who this Building a Healthy Life series is about, it was very familiar to him. David was a shepherd, and he wrote many songs. He wrote something called the Shepherd's Psalm. And so he wrote about sheep, about the shepherd anointing a sheep in Psalm 23, probably the most famous psalm. He said, you anoint my head with oil, as God is a shepherd and we are his sheep. And as a shepherd, that was part of David's daily life. You see, sheep are very dirty. Uh, they have wool for their hair, right? And if you've ever worn a wool coat or something like that, you'd know that wherever you put something that's wool, stuff gets in it, right? And so sheep are that way. So their food always gets in their wool, their excrement, really gross. And anytime they lay on the ground, whatever's on the ground, it's in their wool. And so shepherds, part of their job was to clean the sheep. And so before a sheep would lie down at night, the shepherd would anoint the sheep with oil to clean its wool, get all the bugs out, and that way the bugs wouldn't bite the sheep or cause any kind of infection. So David knew something about anointing. By the way, uh, I saw a sheep on Friday night when I've already written this message, and I took a picture with it. I just thought you might like to see a picture of me with a sheep in Tijuana, Mexico. It was awesome. World's greatest car wash right there in Tijuana, Mexico. That's where that sheep was at the car wash. Photocred, Andy Hauk. So, um, Super Bowl Sunday. Very excited about the game. And I also saw this online this week. I thought you might enjoy this little uh, church sign. This lets you take it in. Talks about in the Bible, Eagles are mentioned 33 times and Patriots are not mentioned at all. I'm. I'm actually going for the Patriots, but I just thought it was a good, I thought it was a good sign. So anyway, back to the anointing. It's an anointed church sign. Uh, in the Bible, we see this symbol of anointing. So like David would clean the sheep, that, that's one example of anointing. The Bible talks about anointing the sick to heal them. If you've ever had a sunburn and you've put aloe vera on it or essential oils, right? Probably some essential oil fans in here. You were anointing yourself to be healed. But there's uh, the third definition of the word anointing. It's, it's what maybe we don't use quite as often. To anoint someone means to choose them by divine intervention. 
To anoint someone means to choose them by divine intervention. That's what you'll see if you look it up in the dictionary. And probably the best example we have of that is the English monarchy. Uh, when uh, the king or queen becomes the king or queen of England and they are coronated, there's a big ceremony in Westminster Abbey in London. And so they go through this whole regalia and there's all these different you know, traditions that come into play. And kind of the peak of this ceremony is they bring out this big canopy and they cover the future monarch in this canopy so no one can see it. And they bring out this special anointing oil that's been hidden in Westminster Abbey for hundreds of years. And I think there might be a picture of that anointing oil right there. It's a special anointing oil. Almost no one ever gets to touch it or see it. It'd be a really expensive initial, essential oil if you could bottle up and sell it. But you can't because it's hidden in the deep in this church. And then they anoint the future king or queen. And that is the moment where they're saying, our monarch has been chosen by God by divine intervention. Kind of interesting, probably the best modern day example of that. Kind of neat to study. I'd like to see that oil someday. But here's what we know is that anointing is actually a type or a shadow of God's anointing. To anoint means to be chosen by divine intervention. And we are all anointed by God. We have all been chosen. We have all been chosen by divine intervention intervention. And David, especially as a king, as a prototype for us today as kingdom people, he was anointed. He was chosen by God. Psalm 78, verse 70, this is a key verse about David's life. And just the beginning of it says this, he, speaking of the Lord, he chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. God chose David. David was chosen by divine intervention. And through the course of David's life, what we're going to see is actually David experienced three different anointings. He experienced three different anointings, and those anointings were progressive. So each anointing represents a step in David's life in walking out his calling. David was chosen by divine intervention, but he walked through some journeys as God was developing him to be the man he was calling him to be. So today I want to speak to you from the subject, the three anointings. Are you ready? Great. Will you just pray with me as we journey into this message? Lord Jesus, we pray for every person here. Thank you that they are chosen. They're here. God, you chose them to be here this morning. And Lord, they are anointed because they are in you. Now, Lord, we pray that you give us great wisdom on our own lives. And Holy Spirit, help this word just translate to everyone. Have something practical for each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. So Pastor Robert began our series, Building a Healthy Life, a few weeks ago. He talked about David's first anointing. We see it here in 1 Samuel 16. I'll let you pull it up in a Bible or phone while I take a sip of water. First Samuel 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, remember Samuel was the prophet over Israel. It was his job to appoint the king. How long will you grieve over Saul? Saul was the current king. Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king amongst his sons. And a little further down in 1 Samuel 16, we see David's first anointing. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. Remember this painful scenario where David was rejected and left out of the family meal. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. 
And he sent and brought him in, and skipping a little bit, and the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is he. This was David's first anointing. So David's first anointing, this is what the first anointing in David's life represents and what it represents in our life, the birth of his calling. The first anointing is the birth of a calling. This is the time where God pulled David out of being a shepherd and chose him to be a monarch over the kingdom of Israel. Very prophetic because it occurs in Bethlehem. Someone else kind of famous was born in Bethlehem, right? The king of kings. And so this is the place where God births calling. That's where Jesus was born, if you're familiar with the Christmas story. So this is what we know about David's life at this time. He receives a call from God. God anoints him, okay? And as he's doing that, he's dealing with some personal issues. He's having to deal with the pain of his family of origin. And he's starting to get healed up and challenged through that. And then he has to face his first big battle, right? He fights Goliath. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So that's right after this first anointing. And then God uses David's commitment to faithfulness to develop skills in David's life. And so David starts learning what it means to be a leader by developing very practical skills. Again, Psalm 78, we just read the first part of this verse. I'm going to read the whole thing now. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. God was dealing with David. He was preparing him, and he was helping him develop skillful hands. And this is what we also see. Right after the first anointing becomes David's first test. Because every calling from God will be tested. Every call from God. Has anyone ever been tested in here? <laughs> I think a lot of us. I was expecting a lot more amens, but maybe it's just everyone. So you're like, obviously. Uh, every call from God will be tested. But I, I bring this up because this often really surprises people, especially new believers. This is what the Bible says about Joseph, Psalm 105. I don't have the scripture, but it says of Joseph, the word of the Lord tested him. So when God gives a word to your life, actually that very promise opens up a test for you because it requires promotion for you to walk into that promise. And in school, how do we get promoted? We take a test. So tests in our life are for promotion, but they're hard <laughs> and they're required for us to walk in all that God has for us. David was tested by Saul. Many, many times when someone receives a call from God, they will be tested by an unrighteous person in their life. Many, many times. There are all kinds of tests that come, but this is the majority, I find, of the first test that comes from an unrighteous person or an imperfect leader in their life. The drama begins right after David kills Goliath, his first big victory. So Saul is David's spiritual father, so it's his job to celebrate David, but that's not what Saul does at all. Right when David kills Goliath, Saul becomes jealous of David. And just to summarize, 1 Samuel 18, this is just a brief moment. Saul is angry, and the saying displeases him that they've ascribed to David tens of thousands, and they've ascribed to me thousands. There is this great hit song going around Jerusalem, David's killed 10,000, Saul's only killed 1,000, and so that made Saul angry. What more can he have but the kingdom, says Saul. And Saul eyed David from that day on. A little later, David's minding his own business, playing guitar, and Saul throws a spear at him, tries to kill him. God begins testing David 
through an unrighteous leader. And Saul pursues David for over 10 years through the wilderness, through caves and valleys and mountains. And his sole desire, his obsession is to wipe David off the face of the earth. David's calling was massively tested. After the birth of call comes a test, the first anointing. I think of my friends, Brian and Jenny Peterson, who felt a call from God to leave this church and go to South Africa and help our church there and be a part of that church planning team. And as they prayed about it, they felt that Brian's job, he's a tech, he works in a tech company, was to continue in South Africa. And they had a whole arrangement with their company. But all of a sudden, his boss, right after his commissioning last year, at World Man West, not the one a week ago, the one the year before, his boss starts turning on him and starts coming after him and starts attacking him. And then one day, his boss calls him and says, hey, actually, we don't have a place for you in South Africa. I know you're planning a life around this, but sorry. And we don't really have a place for you here either. So, you know, we're probably going to be moving on, and we'll talk about that in the next few weeks. Brian's like, what in the world? God had spoken to him so clearly. He and his wife go home and prayed. It's kind of a cool story because that night, actually, that guy got fired, and then his boss's boss acted like it never happened. But the call was tested. And then they went through a visa test. So they've been tested as they've tried to pursue that call. little example of a missionary, but it happens to everyone. The third anointing, I'm skipping the second, going right to the third, because the second's what I want to spend most of my time on. The third anointing in David's life. This happens 32 years after David's first anointing. David's been fighting Saul. He's been trying to walk out in his calling. He's frustrated. And finally, he walks into the big moment where he becomes king of Israel. First Chronicles 14, 1 and 2. Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees, also masons and carpenters, to build a house for him. And David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of the people Israel. This is the third anointing. This is what I'm calling this morning the breakthrough anointing. So we have the birth of a calling, the first anointing, and we have the breakthrough anointing, the third anointing. This is the breakthrough that we walk in when we start to receive the fullness of what God has promised us in this life. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king, this is the third anointing, over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went out against them. Now the Philistines had come and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. That's significant because Rephaim was actually full of giants that the Israelites believed had demonic supernatural powers. So this is like a big battle. And David inquired of God, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, go up and I will give them into your hand. And he went up to Baal Perazim and David struck them down there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a bursting flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal Perazim. Baal Perazim literally translated means God of the breakthrough. So this third anointing is the time where David starts to walk in the breakthroughs that God has promised him. He defeats giants, a sign of strength. He inquires of the Lord, a sign of spiritual leadership, right? The king of Tyre is giving him wood and masonry, a sign of favor, right, from another country. David starts to walk in all those things, and it represents the influence and the continuation of all the promises God has been developing in David for the last 30 years. And, you know, this is how I oftentimes think we tell the story. I have a little timeline of David's life. Got the first anointing on there and the third anointing. And I have a little arrow. This is kind of how we like to tell the story, right? God spoke something to me, and then I had this amazing breakthrough, 
and the end, right? So I'll be speaking at World Mandate next year. So that's kind of how we like to think about it, right? But unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, because I think it's for our best, there is another anointing in the middle of David's life. He wasn't just given a calling, and then after some testing became king, he had a second anointing. That second anointing is found in 2 Samuel 2. And here's what I'm calling the second anointing this morning. The anointing for the in-between battle. The anointing for the in-between battle. And I believe most people in this room are in this season of the second anointing. And so that's what I want to spend most of my time on right now. The idea that God would develop, train us, maybe test us some, and then promote us for us to walk in our calling. I mean, it's a little challenging for me because who likes to take a test? But I think it makes sense, right? God wants our best. He wants to promote us. He wants to develop us. So the first to the third anointing, that makes sense. But I have found that the second anointing is very counterintuitive for people. And, and this is why. Because the second anointing represents a season of partial fulfillment. It represents a season of partial fulfillment. So you start seeing the blessings and the promises that God has spoken to you. But at the same time, you have all of these battles and drama and intrigue going on that you are still working through. So it's a partial fulfillment of what God has spoken, but then you're, you're being pressed on every side and you're still being developed as a leader simultaneously. This is the season of in-between battles. It's a time of partial fulfillment, okay? So here's what, I, here's what I wish someone would have told me when I started really trying to follow Jesus. Here, here are promises for my life. God's going to birth great promises in you, okay? He's going to speak to you. That was awesome when I first started hearing God speak to me, okay? Also, third anointing, you're going to get to see some of these ha things happen. Like, God's going to carry you through. Sure, there's going to be testing, right? But you're going to get to see these promises come to life. Like, I remember in 2004, God gave me a promise of doing ministry in Mexico with Robert. Wow, you know, it's, we're doing that, you know? So you're going to see some things. But what I wish someone would have told me, and which is why I'm presenting this message to you this morning, is the second anointing. You're going to start to see some things fulfilled, but they're going to be fulfilled in part. And then you're going to have to walk them through little by little, by little, to get to the breakthrough. This is just how God dealt with the kingdom of Israel in the wilderness. You see, Israel was enslaved. God birthed the nation, right? He, he rescued them from Egypt. He put them in the wilderness for 40 years. And then they had this great moment. They crossed the river into the promised land. But did they get the whole promised land? No. The Bible says they had to conquer it little by little. Exodus 23, God actually warned them ahead of time. Little by little, I will drive them out before you, the nations of the promised land. I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. We get, we get promises in our life, but then, but then God is developing us so we see the increase little by little. You know, in football, this is the running game, not the passing game. This is like... You're giving the ball to the fullback every play. There's scuffs, there's dirt, there's blood, there's grass, and you're moving the ball a little forward down the field every time. You guys know what I'm saying? All right, 
This is the in-between battle. It's the little by little season. This is the second anointing. So let's look at the second anointing in David's life. It's found in 2 Samuel 2. So what we're going to see is Saul dies. King Saul dies. And so what you'd think is, oh, now it's time for David to become the king because God promised David he would be the second king. But that's not what happens, okay? 2 Samuel 2, verse 1. After this, the death of Saul. After this, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? I want you to remember this first because we're gonna go back to it. And the Lord said to him, go up. David said, to which shall I go up? And he said to Hebron. So David went up there and the men of Judah came and they were anointed David. They anointed David king over the house of Judah. When they told David, it was the men of Jabesh Gilead who buried Saul. David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord because you showed loyalty to Saul, your Lord, and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I will do good to you because you have done this thing. Now, therefore, let your hands be strong, be valiant, for Saul, your Lord, is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. But Abner, son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbotheth, the son of Saul, and brought him to another word I can't pronounce, and made him king over Gilead and the Asherites and Jezreel and Ephraim and Benjamin and all Israel. And Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. So this is what we see. Saul dies. David is anointed king. But David is only anointed king of one of the 12 tribes. It's a one-twelfth fulfillment. He is only king of the house of Judah. And this other guy, Saul's son, who didn't have any promises from God, he starts getting his forces together and building influence and taking control of the other tribes. So we have a divided kingdom. And then David spends the next seven years in this in-between battle of partial fulfillment. Wow. So maybe this applies to you in this room. God's spoken some things to you. If you're in this church, it's probably because you believe God speaks promises to us. Like, that's a big part of this church. And you're a person that is a person of faith, and so you're believing for breakthrough. But if you're not a person of faith, this, this church might be uncomfortable for you at times because we've moved around like five times in the last year. God's had us on a faith journey. But... But look in the middle here. I bet because you're following the Lord, you're obeying God, you've received a measure of God's blessing in your life. You've received a measure of the fullness of what God has promised you. But for a lot of us, I think it's the one twelfth. I think it's just a partial fulfillment of what God wants to do. So this is what I see in our culture. Allow me just to make an aside here for a minute. Previous generations in America dealt with something called the prosperity gospel. So let me just break that down for a minute. The prosperity gospel is different from the belief that God wants to bless and prosper people. I 100% believe God wants to bless. He blesses us to be a blessing. I actually believe God wants to financially prosper people. That is not the issue. Okay? The issue is the prosperity gospel took that teaching to an extreme and treated God like an ATM. So if it was, if I say the right prayer, if I put in the right code, if I give money to the right ministry, then I have a right to be rich and comfortable because I'm a Christian. So that's what the prosperity gospel was. You guys tracking with me? Okay, so 
that was a kind of a far off teaching of a truth, but it got distorted. Okay. So millennials. Okay. If you're in this room, you're probably a millennial. Most of us are 35 and under. Okay. So millennials. I find that millennials don't really deal with the prosperity gospel. We were coming into the workforce, coming into college, whatever, right in the great recession. So the fact that we like have a car is pretty good. We're like, awesome. Okay. So, and if we don't have a car, we're believing for a car, but we have an electric scooter or something like that. So, so we're, that's not our issue. Like, and even statistically that, that desire for money and possessions is not in our generation. So here's what I see millennials dealing with the popularity gospel. Okay. So here's the subtle lie. I see people believing in our culture. If I'm a Christian and I follow God, I have a right to be powerful, influential, famous, etc., because God needs me in that area of society. Wow, I think I, think I see strongholds breaking. <laughs> I'm serious, though. The popularity gospel, it suddenly crept into our culture. Does God want us to be influential? Absolutely. Like, no question asked, but when it becomes a right, when it becomes an equation, no way. Look at David. He did everything right. He honored Saul in his death. He gathered everyone to the right places. He inquired of the Lord. He only went to the place that God told him to. And still, after every anointing, he became less popular. (laughs) Now, I'm not making an equation out of that either. I hope you are popular. But here's what I know. God's development plan oftentimes looks different than ours. And we can't give in to that popularity gospel. All right. Okay. Because many of us live in the land of partial fulfillment. So here we go. Here's some keys I see in David's life that allowed him to have success through the second anointing, through the partial fulfillment. Okay. Second Samuel 2 verse 1. It's right here. After this, David inquired of the Lord. Here's what happens. We get a partial fulfillment to some promises of God in our life, and it's easy to kind of camp out on the one twelfth. It's kind of easy to be like, hey, I've had a little success, or this person thinks I did a good job, or I'm starting to see something. And so it's easy to get in a routine and stop inquiring of the Lord. You tracking with me? So this is super important that David inquired of the Lord because it's actually the reason that King Saul was taken out of office. First Chronicles 10, 14, this is about Saul. Saul did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David. Wow, inquiring of the Lord is a big deal to God. And so here's three things I see that David did to inquire of the Lord. After this, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up? So David's first question was a when question. Say when. It's important to ask God for timing in life. Like timing is everything. You think about financial investments. Like depending on what day you bought Bitcoin last week, you might be really rich or really poor. And if you don't know what Bitcoin is, that's okay. But it's just an example. David is asking God, God, is this the right time? Shall I go up now and receive my next anointing? Your purpose is most likely tied to a specific timing of something God is doing on the earth. I think of my own life, I always had a desire to live in California, like ever since from a young age. And so 
you know, initially my thought was, okay, I'm going to move to San Francisco and I'm going to be a painter. Okay, so that was my idea. My parents were not too keen on that, uh, moving from Dallas, Texas to San Francisco to become a painter. So they didn't like that idea. So then I thought, okay, I'll start a tech company. That never really went anywhere. And so then I said, okay, well, I'm going to go to law school in California and I'm going to apply for that. And I actually made some headway on that, but then God clearly directed me to live in Waco, Texas. And so we stayed there. But then it all made sense one night where Shelly and I were talking in our kitchen table and said, hey, if you could move anywhere tomorrow, where would you move? And she said, Bangladesh, being the saint that she is. And I said, San Diego. And the next night, the Herbers invited us over for dessert and said, hey, we're planning a church in San Diego. We want you to be a part. God has a timing for your life. And so oftentimes people are stuck in life because they haven't inquired about God's timing. Okay, so that's the when. Okay, here's the next, the where. Say where. David asked, shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And then God said, go up. And I love how David responded. He didn't just say, great, God said, go up. So now I get to choose where I go up. David got more specific. He said, to which shall I go up? That was a little test, I think. And God said to Hebron. Maybe you've never thought about this before, but where you live actually matters. Like your house, your city, your county, you know, where you live, it, the people you rub shoulders with, the, 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 just the raw earth of your life, it influences you. And those are the people that you influence. So the, the where is a huge piece to making it from this second anointing to this third anointing. So we want to be a people in this church that ask God specifically, where do you want me, God? What job do you want me in? What school do you want my kids in? Where do you want us, God? What country am I called to? Where in this church am I supposed to serve? What life group am I supposed to be in? The, the where really matters in your life. And here's what I've seen in my own life. I'm so thankful I have time for this story because I'm really excited about it. Okay, so here's what I've seen in my own life. If I'm going the right direction, just like on a road trip, God will give me signs. God will give you signs that you're going on the right direction, that you're at the right where. So just this last week after World Mandate, on Saturday night, I was driving home from the conference. What an amazing conference. I mean, Dana Curry, the Grand Slam of the kingdom. Oh, my goodness. Amazing message. And I was driving home. I was like, God, I love helping lead missions conferences. I love doing this. But God, like, I feel a call to the nations. And not just one nation, but several nations. And God, you told me on my 31st birthday that I would get to go on trips to these different nations. That was a promise you gave me. And then I was just kind of frustrated, and I said it out loud in my car, but God, I've lost that journal. I don't even remember what those nations are. It's just challenging, you know? And then I just kind of like, I don't know, took a sip of coffee and kept driving. But two days later, Shelly and I were cleaning out our basement, and she found that journal. And you know what? It makes me think of the movie Rocky Balboa, where Rocky comes back after retirement, and he says, I still got something in the basement. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people in this room that have something in the basement. And God wants to resurrect that calling. You know, um, so I got that journal and I was so excited. And so I picked up Joe from the train station, Joe Ewan, the next night we were talking about it. And I said, you know, Joe, I, I'm, I'm hoping he's going to agree because he's like super prophetic. So I'm like, hey, like, I think that was a sign. Like, don't you think that was a sign? You know, and right where we're doing that, we're driving by an Arco station. And we drive by the Arco, and there is a sign. You can go see it. It's on Massachusetts. 
Maybe that's a prophetic sign for the New England Patriots right there. All right, it's on, it's on Massachusetts, and it says, this is a sign. That's what the sign said. This is a sign. And I thought, God, thank you that you're giving me signs that I'm going in the right direction. All right, now listen, that's a fun story for me, but I want it for you. That's why I share that story. I, I want you to actually believe God for a sign this week that you're going in the right direction and the place he has for you, for your life. Okay, the when and the where and the who. Second Samuel 2, 3, David also took men who were with him, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron and in its towns. David took a who. He took people with him. And the band can come up because I, I need to close for time, but David took people with him. Just think about becoming a king, like becoming a monarch of a country. Think about all the different people that have to be involved in your life. I just wrote down a few. Personal confidants, right? Spiritual advisors, historians, scribes, financial experts, military strategists. When David was building the temple, it actually says he knew exactly how many nails went into the temple. Like just super detail-oriented people. Think about all the people that God has to pull, look at all these people. Think about all the people, this is amazing. So think about all the people that God has to pull together to make your life happen. And just a little phrase to close. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. God wants to call you to specific people and for you to walk together, for you to make it from this second to this third anointing. Listen, you can go ahead and stand up with me. This church is called to be a breakthrough church. This is a different kind of church than maybe other churches you've attended. God has called this church to plant many churches. He's called us to all nations. We're a breakthrough people. But for us to, for that to happen, every person in this church has to take ownership. We have a few minutes. You don't have to get your kids yet, but just worship with me here. So this church is called to be a church that every person walks their promises from partial fulfillment to completion. And this is why, because your promises are tied to this who are tied to this people. So I just wanna sing with some praise at the end here because where David received the second anointing was Judah, and Judah means praise. I was in a service um, years ago and a man pointed at me and he said, young man, you need to praise your way to breakthrough. So that's what we're gonna do now. We're gonna commit to being a people of praise. All of God's promises are yes and amen. Let's contend for the faithfulness of God in our life. Let's contend that God's gonna give us signs that we're gonna have the right wear and that we're in the middle of God's timing because he is able to keep you from stumbling, amen? Yeah, just raise your hands with me. God, let us be a people of praise. Lord, we want every promise in our life. We want the whole enchilada, Lord. We want to be like David who came to the end of his life and he fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation. Let us be a people that fulfill our purposes. darkness you have filled me with peace giver of mercy oh my hell in time of need oh i can't help lord i can't help but faithful you are we say
promises. All your promises are yes, and all your promises are yeah. All your promises are yes, and amen. Savior, you have brought me here. You pulled me from the ashes. You have broken every curse. Blessed Redeemer, you have set this captivity. Oh, I can't help, Lord, I can't help but sing. faithful. Let us be a people that inquire of you. Lord, I pray for this week, Lord. Let this not just be a good moment in a service, but let Monday morning be different, God. I pray you'd speak to us. Let your voice draw near to us. God, show us the when, Lord. Show us how we're doing on your timing for our life. Where we're behind, let there be acceleration, Lord. Where we've run ahead, Lord, slow us down. Keep us on a short leash. Lord, show us, show us the where. We ask for signs this week. And finally, Lord, show us the who, Lord. We just confess we want to be a church of deep friendships, God. Just connect us to the right ones in our body. Just continue to unify us and pull us together in life group and everywhere else, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.